take your Bible. We're going to go somewhere other than 1 Peter today. We're going to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 8 through 37. But first I thought I'd start off with uh, just reading from the Mother's Day edition of the Quad City Times, an article written by Bill Wondrum in 2013. Those of you who are teenagers and younger, this is what a newspaper article looks like. <laughs> Some of you may not know that. <laughs> but I thought I'd read this. Um, Mom's kisses are a miracle from Janine Murphy here in Bettendorf. It says, you know your mother when they run to you with a boo-hoo because mom's kisses are a miracle when your kid walks 20 paces in front of you in the mall or when your kid decides it's time to stop kissing them in public so no one thinks you're together. Your baby's first smile and the first thing they do after scoring that first goal is to look for you, mom, in the crowd. Leah White from Davenport said, one morning my four-year-old and I were enjoying some quiet time, snuggled up on the couch. All of a sudden she sat up and looked at me with her big, beautiful brown eyes and exclaimed, mommy, why do you always smell so good and you're always so warm? It struck me as the sweetest thing ever. I remember cuddling up with my own mother as a child and thinking the same things. And then uh, Alice Spencer from Davenport said, you know you're a mother when the most beautiful flowers in the world are a bunch of dandelions clutched in the grubby hands of a four-year-old boy with a wide grin on his dirty face saying, I picked these just for you, Mom. There's some great thoughts, great memories to think about our mom. So today we're going to look at a narrative, something uh, in the Bible here that tucked away. It gives us a story of the unrelenting faith of a mom. And so as we go through this, we're going to look at the background and details and all that. We're going to focus in on that faith as we see it unfold in this story. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. So I hope you have your Bible open. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses here and letting the story unfold and encourage you to take notes as well. But this story takes place in Schumann, the Hebrew word would be S-H-U-N-E-M instead of S-H-U-M-E-N as we put it in English. It's, the place, it's in the plain of Asdrilon near the southwest base of Little Hermon near a place called Jezreel. And you see on the map in the red dot there and then the little cutout in the corner there that kind of gives you a little bit more perspective. And also you see a picture of the Jezreel Valley. This is the area that it occurred in Israel. Shuman was a small village mentioned in the Bible in the possession of the tribe of Issachar. It was located near the Jezreel Valley, north of Mount Gilboa. Shunem is where the Philistines camped when they fought Saul, the first king of Israel. It was the hometown of Abishag, King David's companion in his old age. And the prophet Elisha was hospitably entertained there by a wealthy woman whose deceased son, Elisha, brought back to life. So we learn from the story that the Shunammite woman, so they're called Shunammites, 
the Shunammite woman, that her and her husband are wealthy and well provided for. Our first point here as we begin this story on the outline is the demonstration of hospitality toward Elisha. The demonstration of hospitality toward Elisha. We just read those verses, and so I hope you have your Bible open looking at them, but Elisha was a prophet, and he was mentored by Elijah. And near the end of Elijah's life, Elijah made a promise to Elisha and said, look, if you see me go up to heaven, he said, I will give you this mantle, this cloak, and what is it that you request of me that you want beyond that? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to be able to do exponentially more miracles than you did, Elijah. And sure enough, God came one day and separated the two of them, and Elisha was there, and he watched Elijah ride off on a fiery chariot straight up into heaven, and his cloak, his mantle, was left behind. And Elisha picked it up, and from then on, he did miraculous things in ministry. Think about what a day that must have been for Elisha to see Elijah go up to have that promise fulfilled, what a memory he would hold on to. What a way to begin your public ministry. We see that Elisha now is coming to town and this wealthy couple is showing Jewish hospitality, which is such a big part of their culture, and welcomed them into their house as a guest, her and Gehazi. We see the evidence of the woman's deep faith commitment to Yahweh. It's implied in these verses. Notice she calls Elisha the holy man of God, which she will continually do through this whole story. The wife was more sensitive to spiritual things and more outgoing with her faith than her husband. She asked her husband to prepare a room for Elisha, that when he made his uh, visits through town, that he would have a place to eat. He'd have a place to study. He'd have a bed. He'd have some water to drink. One commentator said it could have been a place on the flat roof of their entryway to their house that was added on. Others think it might be a front door entryway where guests would come and stay and and, and even the people in the house would go for quiet time to study. Regardless exactly what it looked like, we see the hospitality shown by the Shumanite woman to the holy man of God. Proverbs 31.20 says this, She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy, as we think back to Solomon in that chapter of a virtuous mom and a virtuous wife. The application here is this mom cares for the needs of other people. She sees needs and she does something about it because she's generous and she knows God will supply her needs if she continually gives to others. The second sign of this mom's unrelenting faith is the demonstration of her commitment to her people. The commitment to her people. Look in 2 Kings 4.11. It says, one day, Elisha came there and turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shumanite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And Elisha said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. 
And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. Now in these verses, we see Elisha the prophet filled with gratitude for how hospitable and how generous this couple was. And they sent Gehazi on his behalf and said, look, I have direct communication with uh, people in authority and I can get them to show favor to you. Is there anything that I could have done on your behalf because you've been so generous to me? Well, Elisha was willing to do something because of that. And the Shumanite woman, to her credit and her trust in God, declined the offer. She simply said that she was content where she was and appears content with her possessions and her life as she and her husband were living. But Gehazi shares this response to Elisha and gives Elisha a suggestion. Bless her with a baby son. Well, Elisha calls her over, as we read, and prophesies that she will have a son this time the following spring. She rejected that idea. Why? Because of her husband and her husband's age. Because of her and her husband's age. Two, because she did not want to get her hopes up and be disappointed that when it didn't happen, she was afraid she'd be heartbroken. She'd be desperate after getting her hopes up. And this is the only time we see in the story where her faith somewhat faltered. But Gehazi knew that barrenness in that culture was a sign of being poor and disgraced. And it was important especially to have at least one child be a boy so that it would carry on the legacy and the name of the dad. But God was about to bless her gift of hospitality and generosity in a miraculous way. And God blessed her that time next year with a son, just as was promised by Elisha. Well, the one characteristic we see here in this part of the story is that she was full of integrity. She was full of integrity. There's a story about a salesman, and he was uh, putting together a quote to uh, come to this company and talk to the purchasing agent. He had an appointment to bring his quote for a particular uh, material object that they wanted to buy to further their uh, organization. And so the salesman showed up a few minutes early for the appointment, and the receptionist uh, welcomed them and said, I'm going to leave here and go and find the purchasing agent and let them know that you're here. So the salesman with the lobby empty starts looking around and he sees on the desk of the receptionist his competitor's bid. And sitting on top of it was a can of Coke. And he thought, what can it hurt if I at least just go over and look at what the competitor's bid is? And he looked and he couldn't see it because the can of Coke hid the final price. So he picked up the can of Coke and bunches and bunches and bunches of BBs just spilled out across the desk. And his lack of integrity was exposed and he obviously didn't get the business. Integrity is a very, very important thing. And sometimes in our lives, we're going to be tested. And the mom here is full of integrity. That's our application. The mom is full of integrity. Let's turn to that point in the story where the title of the sermon represents the basis for her convictions and the actions that come as a result of her unrelenting faith, the demonstration of unrelenting faith. Man, she just kept on. She was the energizer bunny. She just trusted God no matter what the circumstances or obstacles were. 
She just didn't give up. In 2 Kings 4.18, it says, When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. This is harvest time. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. Verse 21, And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, And shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath, she said. All is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out in verse 25 and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Well, this part of the story speaks for itself, but let's highlight a few details. Some commentators conjecture that this boy may have been overcome with heat stroke or heat exhaustion. It was harvest season, very hot time of year. The symptoms were he had a severe headache and he was dizzy. Apparently, he may have collapsed. And the symptoms of a heat stroke are that of pain, of dizziness, and a fever due to inflammation. Whatever he had, the dad's servant brought the boy to his mother. Notice her faith. She doesn't place the boy on his bed. She doesn't place the boy on her bed or the parent's bed. She places him on the man of God's bed. And then she tells her husband she has to go and see the holy man of God, without telling him that the boy is dead. Her husband, showing his insensitivity and lack of trust in God, asked why she is leaving now. He was one of those kind of Christian and Easter Christians. He seemingly was one of those who was feast-only Jew. He didn't appear to have much in any relationship with God. Well, she rounded up transportation and quickly took off to find the holy man of God because in her mind, God used him to prophesy for this child to be born. God can use Elisha to bring him back to life. The desperate faith of a mom who pulls out all the stops in love and faith in God to provide the ultimate care and compassion and help for her children. I really enjoyed when Irma Bombeck was alive. She was a a great writer and uh, she wrote some great things about motherhood. And one thing she said someday, when my children are old enough to understand the logic that motivates a mother, I'll tell them I love them enough to bug you about where you were going with whom and what time you would get home. I loved you enough to be silent and let you discover your friend was a creep. I loved you enough to make you return a Milky Way with a bite out of it to the drugstore and confess that you stole it. But most of all, I loved you enough to say no when you hated me for it. That was the hardest part of all. So what's the secret, the key to a mom's unrelenting faith? It's getting into God's word. It's getting into prayer, developing the most intimate of all relationships on earth, time alone with her heavenly father. That is the source of a mom's relentless faith. The brilliant scientist, Sir Isaac Newton, said that he could take his telescope and look millions and millions of miles into space. But then he added this, but when I lay it aside, I go into my room, I shut the door and get down on my knees in earnest prayer. I see more of heaven and feel closer to the Lord than if I was assisted by all the telescopes on the earth. 
the most intimate relationship and the most important person that we need to please and honor and know well is God, our Heavenly Father. So the application here is this mom acts on her faith, on the deep-rooted faith that she has with God. This mom acts on her faith. This mom not only cultivates her faith and shows her love and depth of commitment and compassion for the well-being of her son in this story, but she does all she can to live out her faith in a daily life. Look at the demonstration of bedrock belief. The demonstration of bedrock belief. Look at verse 25, the second part in 2 Kings chapter 4. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shumanite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Verse 28, Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, Tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. And if you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Verse 31. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. So we know that the Shumanite woman traveled a few miles to Mount Carmel, where it was known throughout the area that that was where Elisha lived and spent most of his time. She knew where to find the prophet. Notice she's vague in her response to Gehazi's questions. She just wanted to get to the source that could heal her son. And we'll come back to those three questions at the very end as our application. She falls, the Shumanite woman does, at the feet of Elisha. And that was a sign of humility, of desperation, of despondency. And Gehazi commented that this was improper and tried to push her away. But Elisha accepted it and understood her pain. Sometimes God would come to Elisha in a vision or in a dream and let him know what was about to be said or what was going to occur. But in this case, that wasn't the situation. This woman came heartbroken that her son died and the very thing that she said to Elijah before came to pass. Don't predict I will give birth to a child and dash my hopes and my dreams. Well, Elisha gave directions to Gehazi to go on his behalf and with his authority with the staff to heal the baby. Notice he said, tie up the garments, which means get ready to run because his garments were long. Tie them up and get ready to run and take the staff. And lay it on the child, lay it on his face. And so he did that on behalf of the prophet. Now either Elisha was confident that this method would heal the boy by faith, or he was trying to teach Gehazi, who he was mentoring, a lesson. Gehazi was not to greet anyone. Why? Greetings were long and drawn out. And Gehazi was to get to the boy and heal him. And Elisha and the boy's mom followed at a distance behind Gehazi. And Gehazi did exactly as he was told to do, but nothing happened. 
And that, and that culture, astrologers and sorcerers and necromancers used all kinds of staffs and other items as superstitious good luck charms to perform miracles. The point maybe that Elisha was trying to teach Gehazi was to trust in the Lord and not some physical thing like a magic staff. We don't know exactly why Gehazi's methods failed since Elisha gave him the instructions to carry out. But ultimately, I believe it was the mom's trust in God that brought the miracle and the result of her faith. One commentator said this, how great is a mother's love, how wondrous are the works of providence. The Shumanite had not sought a son from the prophet. Her child was in every respect the free gift of God. Was she then allowed to rejoice in the possession for a little, only to be pierced with sorrow by seeing the corpse of the cherished boy perish doubt and unbelief? This event happened that the works of God should be made manifest in this prophet, prophet and for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Here's the application. This mom lives out life based on her experience with God. She kept going. She kept trusting. Her son wasn't buried in the ground yet. There was, she was going to do everything she could to see if he could come back to life. And lastly, we see that the boy the boy is healed. The boy is healed. The demonstration of healing power. The demonstration of healing power. In 2 Kings chapter 4, look at verses 32 through 37. As we come to the end of this story. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child laying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. As he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35, then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shulamite. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Elisha came to his room where it was set aside for him, where he would stay when visiting, and he shut the door. He prayed. He laid on the body face to face, hand to hand, eye to eye. And his body grew warm. And then he got up and he paced around and probably praying some more. Notice the healing was a process. It wasn't immediate. Reminds me of the man who Jesus healed in, in, the, in the Gospels where he came along and, and at first the guy could see men that looked like trees and it was still blurry and then Jesus touched him again and healed him. We see the boy here, the child sneezed seven times and then the child opened his eyes. When a Shunammite woman saw that her son was alive, she responded to Elisha and God with worship and praise. She fell at Elisha's feet out of gratitude and thanksgiving, and God had rewarded her unrelenting faith. God had rewarded her unrelenting faith. It reminds me of Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. Our application here is this mom sees the result of her faith. 
The mom sees the result of her faith. Mom, <clears throat> how strong is your faith today? In our application, we're going to talk about that in some detail. But here's our key thought. Do you have that kind of faith? That is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Do you have that kind of faith? That's the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Notice those three questions that I give out every week, but we're going to take a few moments and really zero in on these things. First of all, is it well with you, Mom? Is it well? Has I asked the Shumanite woman, is it well with you? And she brushed it off. She said she was well, but she wasn't being honest. Had she answered honestly, she would have confessed that things were not well at all with her. Private grief had shattered her world and stolen her pride and joy. Had she answered honestly, she would have admitted that she was quite upset. Verse 23, Elisha said she had a bitter spirit. Shows how she was deeply troubled in her human spirit. Why would God give me a son in my later years only to jerk him away so abruptly? Truth be known, things were not well at all in her emotional state. How about you, Mom? Is it well with you? Give an honest answer. I'm not asking how your career is doing. I'm not asking how nice your home is, how much money you have in the bank, or do your kids go to great schools? How is it in your soul? How, does it, how is it going where life matters the most in your family? Are you a believer in Christ? If not, nothing will go well until you know Christ as your personal savior. Are you growing as a Christian and living for Jesus? If you're honest, you'd have to admit maybe, maybe life is a mess. Maybe some of you here, you came to faith in Christ when you were a young woman, a young lady, and then life happened and it caused you to drift away and events occurred that maybe made you bitter and upset toward God. And maybe even now, as the Spirit's voice is speaking to you, maybe now you're, you're still wrestling with this issues that have gone on in your life. Maybe you're saying, why this? Why me? Why now? Or maybe you're doing your best to follow the Lord and stay in his word in prayer, but you're in emotional pain due to decisions that your kids are currently making or have made. Maybe you're dealing with health issues, relational issues, with people in your family or at the workplace. There's not a better day for you to turn it all over to God and to lay those burdens upon him and let him bring the healing, maybe not instantaneously, but over time, like he did with the prodigal son coming home to his father. Is it well with you, mom? Second of all, is it well with your husband? That's what the Gehazi asked the Shumanite woman, is it well with your husband? Well, she said her husband was well, but she wasn't, again, being truthful. Had she answered honestly, she would have admitted that things were far from well. In the years since the birth of their child, her husband, it looks like in this text, drifted from the Lord. He probably got wrapped up in his business so much that he took a casual interest toward the things of God and even toward his son because he had his servant take his son in when he was... Uh, so overcome with sickness rather than doing it himself. Clues appear throughout this narrative. When his son fell ill, we see the response. And when his wife asked for a donkey to ride and a servant to go with her 
On her trip to see the prophet, he complained, why will you go to him today? Is it neither new moon nor Sabbath? Those were the days when people would visit a prophet. But to this man, religion was for special days, for like feast days and festivals. He couldn't understand the wife's desire to go find the preacher just out of the blue on that day. Besides, there was harvest to gather, and he could ill afford to part with a donkey and a servant. He was backslidden. He was hard-hearted. So busy making a living, he didn't have time to make a life. Truth be known, all was not well with her husband at all. And what about you, mom, wife? How is it well going with your husband, your spouse? I did not ask how good a job he does or how the community's honored him or how many people know him or how much money he is worth. Does he love Jesus? Does he know Jesus as his savior? Have you been married to him for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and maybe never had the chance or took the time to share the gospel with him? Or is your husband away from the Lord and are you following 1 Peter 3 where it says to live out the gospel and trying to draw him back to the Lord by the way that you live out the gospel in your life? Is he growing in the Lord and serving Jesus? Does he, do you face a crisis in your home where your husband's not taking the spiritual leadership in the home or doesn't give you words of encouragement? What better day than today to reshoulder your commitment, your faith, and begin to pray for your husband, to pray for change, to pray for God to invade his space with the Holy Spirit to bring change into his life? Is it well with your husband? Answer honestly. And the last question that Gehazi asked the Shumanite woman, is it well with your children? Is it well with your children? Well, again, she, she pretty much lied to avoid being delayed going for the only source of help that could heal her son. Had she been honest, she would have confessed, as she later did, that all was not well with her child. Actually, the boy was dead. He was stone cold dead. Mother, is it well with your soul? Many a mother fails to realize that what was true physically of the son of this Shumanite is true spiritually of our own child. A child is not a sleeper that a mother can rouse from slumber on her own, but is a one who is spiritually dead that can only be aroused by the power of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a story about a godly mother. She had a lot of children, and she was living out in the country on a farm. And as soon as uh, in the summertime, as soon as it, the sun broke through, the kids would go outside and they'd play all day. And the only time they'd show up back at the house would be at mealtime. And they would eat, and then as soon as they eat, they would be out that door as fast as they could to enjoy the summer weather and the sunshine and all that the summer holds. Well, toward twilight, when the day is coming to an end, she would ask herself, are all the children in? Are all the children in? And as it got dark, she would go out and she'd ring the bell and uh, again, count and see if all of her kids had made it safely in. How about you? Are all your children in? Do they know Christ as Savior? Are they going to be with you when you go to heaven? Are you covering your children and your grandchildren in prayer? Is your child serving Jesus and growing in the Lord? Or have they gone to the far country like the prodigal son? Tennyson, the writer, said this, did you teach them to live pure, speak truth, know right from wrong, and follow Christ, the King? Did you teach them to read their Bible and pray every day? 
Did you set their feet on the road to obedience to following Christ? Have you done your best to encourage your child to live for the Lord? There's no better day than today to turn your child's heart toward God and living for Christ. Is it well with your child? So here's the thought as we close. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? You and God know. I encourage you this week to to spend some time and build that unrelentless faith by being in that deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we just thank you for the picture of faith in the Shumanite woman's life. Lord, I just can't imagine her son dying after being received as a miracle, a gift from God. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you that she wouldn't take this death as the final answer. She went to where there was hope. She went to where there were answers. She went to Elisha who, through God, could bring healing. God was the ultimate answer to her prayer for healing for her son. Lord, I pray for our moms. I don't know what's going on in their hearts and their lives here on this May 8th morning, 2022, but you do, Lord. Is it well? Is it well with our moms? Is it well with their husbands? Is it well with their children? Lord, I pray that you'll just strengthen their faith, encourage them, help them to go deeper than they've ever gone before in their building of intimacy and their relationship with you that will help them stem the tide of the storms of life, of the disappointments, of the discouraging things that may occur, but also give them deeper joy, deeper happiness of when her children, her husband, are following you because of her influence, Lord. We thank you for our moms today. We pray you'll bless them in amazing ways. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.